Hi, I'm Susanna, and this is The Susanna Gibbs Show. I have been fortunate enough to have two careers over the past 20 years. It's longer than that. I've been an actress and producer, and I've also had an insurance agency, which is a very interesting mix of art and business. But on this podcast, we mix both. We talk to artists, idealists, entrepreneurs, the hows, the whys, and choosing to get up again. And the insurance agency sponsors the whole thing. So you can help us out by sharing this podcast, going to the website, www.giveagencydallas.net, and tell us what you think about the show. We would love to hear from you. On the podcast today is Matthew Thornberry. He is someone that I knew way back once upon a time when we used to shoot at Sally Beauty Supply. He's here to talk about his new movie, Blue Moon, which is out on all the streaming platforms. And we also talk about the SAG strike, the writer's strike, and Barbie. We're going to end the podcast with an insurance tip of the week so you can go out into the world smarter and more knowledgeable about exciting things in insurance. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Please reach out to us, and I hope you enjoy the show. And now, on with the show. Matthew, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. It's been Uh, way too long. Way too long. It it has been a long time since we hung out. How long has it been? Like, I don't know, man. Years or something, right? Yeah. I was, I, of course, you know, now that I'm older, I measure time by what kid it was. And (laughs) so I just remember being on. I think you left with your first one. Right? It was. It was my first one. So, and it, she is now 15. It, no, I, no. It has not been that long. I know. Oh, time m- marches yeah. on for everyone. So, let's, let's, we're going to talk about Barbie first because I'm super excited to hear your thoughts about <laughs> Barbie without giving spoilers. Because sometimes, oh, okay. you know, okay. so I think we should talk about. Do we want to give spoilers or no spoilers? Uh, I'll do my best to refrain, but I mean. What are your thoughts on Barbie? Because I know you've seen it and I know that you uh, loved I, it. I absolutely loved it. My whole family loved it. The Most people that I know seem to really like it. Uh, one of my best friends and his wife saw it last night and they could not stop texting me about it. And they went, you know, dressed up in their matching pink. <laughs> Uh, the few people I know that didn't like it, I think are more upset about what it wasn't than what it was maybe, you know, mm-hmm. because when you hear, oh, they're making a Barbie movie, you know, it's like, oh, so is like Barbie going to come to life or maybe the girl goes into a Barbie, like a little girl goes into the Barbie world and, you know, it's kind of a fun romp and this is not I feel like I've all. seen the Barbie movie where Barbie becomes a mermaid princess about 40 times. And it's yeah. probably not this movie. No, not at all. Like people who watch the, like the shows that were on, like they're on Netflix now, like my girls did, you know, it's not, it's not that at all. Uh, this is um, kind of a weird, beautiful satirical take on the, the human condition. And, um, I don't think a lot of people are ready to go into a Barbie movie to think a whole lot. And you mm. kind of have to with this, but like my wife was in tears at the end. Like it t- t- touches on mortality 
Like, I don't know, in the trailer, this isn't giving anything away. Everything's fun, and they're having a dance party, and then all of a sudden, you know, Barbie says, do any of you all think, do, do any of you ever think about dying? And it's probably the funniest line I've ever heard in a movie in, in context. Like, it had me rolling the first time I saw it um, in the trailer. It had me rolling in the theater. Because, again, you don't want to think about that kind of stuff usually, and especially not in a Barbie movie. Well, Margot Robbie is one of my faves, as well as Ryan Gosling. They're both yes. so talented. Could this, would this movie have been as successful with no. different people? Is it, it the writing in the script or is it, I, I'm sure it's probably so a mixture of Margot everything. Margot Robbie but. Wasn't, isn't just Barbie. She's also the producer, right? Um, and yeah. I did not know that she, I didn't, did, did she, she sign on as a producer in the beginning once, or did she um, come on? Amy Schumer left the project. And Margot Robbie was brought on. Margot Robbie is, produces most of the things she's in now, um, like with I, Tonya. Well, she helped develop some of, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on Harley the character's Quinn. name. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And you, I, yes. Tonya, which she's incredible in. And she's very savvy. And she's a great actress on top of that. And I think, you know, when they decided to bring on Greta Gerwig as well, uh, the, they worked really well together and they both decided they wanted to do something that wasn't what you thought it was going to be. And the second I, I heard that Greta Gerwig was on board, it's like, okay, this is going to be fantastic because it's going to be weird. Little what women. What else has Greta Gerwig done? <laughs> and Lady Bird. Okay. Yeah, like... Uh, interesting. Well, Little Women, okay. Lady Bird, though. Right. Lady Bird's got and some teeth so to this. it. So. Um, but... I th- and then they both wanted uh, Ryan Gosling on, and Ryan Gosling, even in the press tour, um, has been all in. And I think with this kind of character, he needed to be. And I mean, the day the movie came out, people were like, "Oh, this is going to get nominated for supporting actor at least," because he's just he's that good. Mm. It's kind of like. When you watch Beetlejuice and you see um, Michael Keaton pop up and he just kind of steals everything because he's all in on this really weird character. Imagine that, but he has half the movie. You know? Yeah, it's it's mm, great. Interesting. So Margot Robbie, seriously, she wins yeah. in the genetic gene pool. She's got looks and brains, but Ryan Gosling... This is a fun game. I've been asking people, what's your free, your three favorite Ooh, Ryan Gosling um, movies? I actually really like The Notebook. I think he's great in it. Um, and and mm, just for the okay. one line, um, you know, after he finished building it, uh, he gave serious thought to burning it down. Um, I think we've all been there where it's like, it's done. I hate it. Um, I love that. This, <laughs> he's fantastic in. But uh, I'm a huge fan of Drive. I love Drive, but uh, also uh, the nice guys, nice guys. He's great. Like he's always good. He's always good. So my top three: Drive. I, I need to watch yeah. it again. Lars and the Real Girl. That was the first time I was like, "Oh, you're not just pretty. Holy cow!" Um, and um, yeah, Crazy Stupid Love. I think he's so well. Yeah, so even when good he, you that. know shows up on SNL, he's great. You know he's. Oh, the skits on SNL, the the, 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 UFO the one where alien Kate skits are some of the best. Manhandling him, you know, 
That's that's the second one where she's yeah. literally yeah. just yeah. That's a good one. Super good. Well, what's your favorite Margot Robbie role? I hope people. Oh, I don't know. I'm interested to see this one honestly because um, I feel like we haven't seen the best uh, yeah, of Margot and the, Robbie. I, yet, I agree. You know? And the funny thing is, she's always fantastic. And like, even a, a role like. Mm-hmm her first big breakout here was Wolf of Wall Street and a role like that, you know, you, you could be a one and done, right? But she steals that movie from everyone else. And it's like the biggest actors ever in that movie. Yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So the other thing we talked about, which I want to get into um, is because I thought you had some really interesting insights into the yeah. SAG strike. It's funny how we call it the SAG strike, even though WGA has been striking for like two months longer. Yeah. Yeah. I should add in the writer's strike yeah, as well. And the solidarity between the, the two is uh, fantastic. So, yeah. What are the biggest issues that the writers um, are going after? Uh, royalties, first of all. Um, from... You know, the the days where you could write on a show in the 90s, you know, or the 80s, and your royalties would be, you know, in the thousands are, are, are gone. And, you know, there are people online on Twitter who are posting copies of the residual checks for big streaming shows where you're getting like a three cent check, you know, and um, Mandy mm. Moore for her work on this is us, which is one of the biggest hits on network television says that she's gotten like $34 in residuals in streaming. Uh, How are the streaming people getting away with streaming? I guess this is where they're not there. That's why people are striking. I've been wondering that because, you know, back, back when we had the studio system and the studios own production distribution and exhibition, exhibition uh the government kind of stepped in and said yo uh, there's uh, some antitrust stuff going on like you guys are a monopoly so you need to get rid of one of your mm. three parts and they said oh we'll get rid of exhibition because they can't exhibit anything if we don't pr- if we don't produce it and then distribute it so that was fine so they get a a 50 50 take from theaters right um but with streaming they kind of bypass that and they get everything. And with streaming, they don't really have to kind of report properly. And, you know, Hollywood accounting's always been funny. You know, like they said that uh, Predator lost money, but it has six sequels. Six sequels to a movie that lost mm. money, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, nobody right. makes a sequel if yeah. it loses money. So um, it, it's, it's one of the things where... At some point, it almost feels like the government might have to step in again because it's like, hey, remember how you got rid of Exhibition like 60 years ago? Well, that's literally what Paramount Plus, Peacock, and all these other places are. You're you're exhibiting your stuff, especially when they'll make things and bypass theaters or regular broadcast television altogether. So um, it, it was a little different when like Netflix first started and they could license out product, you know, and then everyone's like, oh, well, we don't want to split the revenue anymore. We'll bring it in house. Um, 
Yeah, so the, the thing is they don't really have to tell you how much something is making, how much it's been viewed. You just kind of have to trust them, you know? And, you know, that's what studios are known for is trust. Oh, yeah. So what, is, what are the streaming platforms, what do they say in their defense? That we're just, we're not making enough money. We're not making money. Well, it's it, not it kind of depends on the streaming service, right? Like Netflix operated under a loss for a long time, you know? Um, and they put, they're putting billions into content. And they say they're making money. But again, it's kind of hard to judge that. Somebody like um, Prime, well, you get Prime free with your membership, right? So is are they wanting you to get Prime so you watch more stuff? Or are they producing stuff so you buy a Prime account and then shop more? Because, hey, you already have a Prime account now. You might as well. And everything's kind of like tied together with Amazon. So that's a little weird. Um, with something like Disney, I mean... The- <laughs> They own Hulu and ESPN and ABC. Everything. So, yeah, it, that, it really depends on the streamer that you're talking about. But apparently Peacock, it came out this morning that Peacock's losing $1.3 this year and looks to lose more than 3 next year. Well, there's so much content out much. there. It's like, how do you get eyeballs on your content? Yeah. On your content, if everybody can, you know, once upon a time, you could mm-hmm. make a movie, and it would yeah. make money, right? All independent movies would make money. A lot of it was That's, on DVD yeah. sales overseas. Now the DVDs went away, um, and now anybody can put out content. I mean, yeah. we're putting out content right now, um, so. Maybe some of the content needs yeah, to that, go Yeah, that's kind away. of the, I don't know. the double-edged sword of this. The, the one part is, yeah, anybody can make something. And that's great. That means there's no more gatekeeping, in theory. The downside is, anyone can make something. You know? And uh, it used to be you'd have to buy a camera, figure out a way to edit it, whether you know, it was before digital or after you would have to get a turnkey Avid system, which you know, would be $150,000, $200,000. And the price and the access to the equipment was enough of a gatekeeper, right? But now, anybody can make a movie on their phone. They can shoot and edit it and publish well, it and- on their phone. And we, that's how we end up with this just tsunami of content and now it's people don't see it as creating art for culture it's creating content mm-hmm. i know my kids mm-hmm. have their favorite youtube i shows watch youtube that they like to watch that i've never these are shows and i have a hard time with youtube because there's a lot of stuff out there that's yeah. not great for kids and so it's been really hard to manage and i finally just took it away but they all have their like this show this show i've never heard of it but it's so popular and they oh, yeah. all know about it yeah it's, i've had to have the same kind of, kind of talks so, with my kids where it's like okay uh we're gonna have to have random searches of your phones to see to make sure you're not watching certain shorts. Mm-hmm. Like my my youngest daughter found a show with like these ghost hunters, you know, and it's all like. like <gasps> oh, my daughter got real scared about that. And then she I, was I, terrified. And then, you know, I had to sit down and yeah. watch something with her. And I'm like, okay, so you see how this could easily be faked. 
you know, and luckily my youngest daughter has gotten into editing and she, now she has her own channel. So she's able to see past a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, at first it was, it was, it was tricky. There was some weird show. It was a cartoon and it was the frozen characters, but they were having Mm -hmm. babies like and showing it and i was like what is yeah. this why it's kind you of know? a terrifying <laughs> terrifying so platform it is it is so <laughs> coming back <laughs> to streaming and because you part of uh, when we were talking ahead of time it yeah. was about your um experience with your own movie on streaming and the challenges that you've had. So let's talk about what was the movie that you did I, and released I released a film called recently. Blue Moon. Um, it played some festivals last year, and then it went public on Amazon Prime in November, and then it hit Tubi, Apple TV, and you know a handful of others. And you know, at first we were getting some good views, especially before it went to the on-demand services, right? When it was up for rent and for sale only, it was very easy to see how many people were watching it because I could, you know, basically see, okay, we've had this many rentals, uh, Amazon keeps half, and then my distributor takes 20, and then I get the rest, and then my DP gets 10. So it's like I could easily figure out from what I was getting how many people were watching it, right? Then we went to Tubi, and even though Tubi does have a much better payout, I have no many people no idea how many people are watching it because the the number of ad breaks changes day to day almost it seems and now i instead of being able to see okay i got x amount so that means this many people bought it and this many people rented it now i just get a number and i have no idea how many streams that is and i don't know how much they're charging for the ad placements you know it's just something they do and then uh, I, I get a dollar amount, and lately it's been more like a cent amount every month, and that's it. Mm. What does Tubi say on the front end of, of how they're going to manage the ads and how the ads affect um, your revenue? They basically say uh, we will put ads on it, and it, they will vary, and that's kind of what they say. Like that's yeah. There's interesting. Is there a theory on no how, what their motivation is based on... I mean, they have to know mm-hmm. how many people are on their platform at any right. given time. And the theory is that if more people are watching it, they'll put more ads onto it, right? That's what it's okay. supposed to be. And is it like commercials, like watching a TNT movie where literally it takes four hours <laughs> no, to it's watch like a two-hour like movie? one or two ads at the beginning, and then you can place ad breaks throughout, right? Um I streamed it the other night. My my DP was over. He and I haven't talked in you know a little bit because we've been busy. And we got together and we put the movie on Tubi and we had a couple of ad breaks. Right? Check this morning. There are no ad breaks. So like it, I have no idea hmm. how it varies from day to day. I have like there's no reasoning. They just do it. And that's kind of the frustrating part is that, I, again, I just have to take their word for it. And there's there's really no way of 
There's no way of so there's no account- accountability. There's no accountability and no way of accounting for the metrics. You know, like I could at least see, oh well, people are dipping out at this part, or um, these people are like people from this area are watching it, or people of this demographic are watching it. So I could make ads targeting those people. So right now, anytime I make an ad, it's just kind of a shot in the dark. It's like I think this is the group watching it when I really don't know. I do. You because, make the ads. Uh, I'm paying for this myself. Yeah. No, like if like if I'm doing a Facebook oh, ad for the movie, me. I mean, not the ads that are shown. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. I see. No, I see. no, no, no. They're I the thought ones, you meant ads on TV. Yeah, they they do that. And what's your uh, what's your uh, movie it's about? A mostly true story. Uh, what happened to me when uh, the logline is the mostly true tale of a man traveling to Eastern Kentucky to deal with the unexpected death of his estranged father. So it's based on what happened when my dad died suddenly in 2016. And about halfway through the trip, things were really weird. And I kept telling people about it. And they're like, oh, that's really weird. My wife finally said, you need to make a movie about it. Uh, so I did. And yeah, it's um, the, the movie as weird as it gets. Uh, some of the stuff that I put in the movie, it was actually weirder in real life. But, like, it was so weird that people wouldn't have believed it. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Super fun. Super fun. What's on the the agenda for... What's your next project? Uh, I work, you actually working on a couple of things. I was talking to somebody last night. The, the goal is to get more people to see Blue Moon so we can... Because one of the nice things about doing it myself was that... I wasn't beholden to anybody, um, and that's nice, but the second you get money from other people, you are beholden to them, right? Um, but we're trying to figure out what the best thing to do would be because there are like three things that I've started writing that I really like, but part of me is thinking that they're a little too uh, weird and uh, a little too out there. Um, because that's just kind of where I, my head wants to go. Uh, and we're, you know, I, mm-hmm. I've got people on both sides where it's like, let's make something that we can easily sell. And other people are like, let's make something that can, uh, you know, satisfy, satisfy, satisfy us artistically. So it's, it's a, that's yeah. And you know, I, I got to meet Spielberg it? when I was in college and I asked him if he ever felt torn between making a movie artistic versus marketable. And he looked me dead in the eyes and he said all the time. The key is you have to find the art. Mm. So I've been trying to find the art, and it's it's tough, and that's why he is who he is. <laughs> it is. That's a good point. Fine. Yeah, to find the art in the marketable, and it has to be a story you just yeah, have and that's to kind tell. of the. It's also like for him, you know, like he said when he talked to me, he said the like Jurassic Park is a dumb monster movie but making the dinosaurs realistic was the artistic part. And you're like, okay, well, that's why it works so well. So sometimes for him, it's not necessarily the story that's artistic, but the way he tells it, you know? Um, so yeah, right, right. It, also right now, it's trying to judge uh, what the market's going to do because no one really knows. Because, you know, things that you could have banked on last year to succeed are failing this year. It's really weird. Well, and that's the trouble because it, it 
making a movie is not no. a short endeavor. So if it changes so fast in a year, this project that you've come up with that would be great right now in a year, maybe yeah. yesterday's yeah. news. Yeah. It'd be so interesting to see what happens with the, 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 the writer strike and the actor strike. Um, I know that one of the, the things that, that struck me and we've talked about AI before is um, how do you control your image? Well, this How do is actors one way. control their image? Do they sign and away the rights to their of image? This is that um, bef- right as the strike happened, studios came to uh, SAG and they said, okay, well, how about this? We pay a background actor for one day and then we scan their likeness and then we can use it however we want in perpetuity. And it's like, wait, what? So, nope. so you can have... That in perpetuity... Clause on the contract. I was. I right. walked from any of them that said in perpetuity. Like, I was like, I thought, I'm I'm I thought good. Crispin I'm Glover, done. like you know, sued thirty years for this exact same thing on Back to the Future too. You know, where it's like, oh, I was in the first one. I wasn't in the second one. You can't use my image. I thought we were past this, but now they're wanting to get an exact digital digital replica of an actor. So if they see a background actor that's being paid, you know, a couple hundred dollars a day. And they're like, oh, this person has a really good look. They can scan them and get them to say whatever they want. Like that's, I, I mean, I, the ethics of that alone are troublesome. Very troublesome. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking with me about what you have in the pipeline and Barbie and all the rest. Well, thank you for all the rest. I really enjoyed it. And I'm glad you got the, uh, right. maroon, the maroon memo. It's good work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. It's always fun to talk to other filmmakers because nerding out about performances and stories, and it's just always super fun. So segueing into the insurance tip of the week, because we talked about the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild, which are unions and they are striking, let's talk about workers' comp in the state of Texas. Texas is a right-to-work state, so you don't have to have workers' comp here. However, if you don't have workers' comp, you're leaving yourself vulnerable to a potential suit by an employee. It's a lot harder for an employee to sue you for negligence with workers' comp. So just because your employee walks around the desk and trips and falls, that could be your problem as the employer if you don't have workers' comp. Reach out to us if you have questions about that or anything else. Go to GiveAgencyDallas.com. Thank you so much for being here. Reach out to us at GiveAgencyDallas.net. We would love to hear from you. Thank you in advance for sharing this podcast with other Texans you may know who like to hear about what's going on in their great state. Thanks so much. See you again next week.